0: I just want to give you a bit of an insight into this podcast. We're a bunch of unique individuals, Poochie and myself. We're going to engage you with our minds and our hearts. We're going to exchange ideas, thoughts, and even our energy. And to speak from our heart, you need to have courage. You need to be honest and authentic. We're not always going to get it right, and sometimes you're not going to agree with it. But that's okay, because just like you, we care. Just like you, we're passionate. So if you want to come along for the ride, join in on the podcast. Welcome back to episode eight of Jack Pooch and Pals. I'm Jack Davy,
1: and I'm Pooch Bazevski, and today on the podcast we got Jack Tobin. Hey boys, thanks for having me. It's a real honour to be on you. Been <laughs> a source provider a couple of times. Finally to get the uh, call up it was, um yeah I was absolutely thrilled to be here.
2: Long term fan. Um, so just start off with the most relevant toffee. We got been a bit of a weird time with the corona.
1: Yeah, it's sort of um i yeah, currently living down in Melbourne with um, a couple of the boys. So um, my good mates, Jimmy and Gilly, they were still working. So when it all happened, me and uh, Siggy decided to move back up to Bendigo for a couple of weeks. So we were up there, to be honest, initially I thought it wasn't going to be that bad. So we were like, oh, a couple of weeks. But then, um, yeah, it turned into about six weeks. And then, you know, once Dan Andrews sort of eased the restrictions, <laughs> we and Sig uh, took a slab of Vicks and jumped straight down the corridor and we um, had a few beers. So it's been a real weird time. I was like, there's obviously the negatives about it, but I've just tried to look at it as positively as possible and try and get um, a few things out of it in a time we sort of ultra concentrated on some certain things. So it's been good, I reckon.
2: Yeah. So you haven't been working through the time? Nah. After? So, well,
1: my occupation at the moment has been I write articles for a couple of um, betting websites, which I'm um, obviously with no support. There's not <laughs> not much art uh, to write about at the moment. I wrote a couple of, um, like, Esports articles, which are real weird. What's that uh,
0: soccer league that's going on? That um, was going oh, on. was the Belarusian yeah. soccer league. Yeah, yeah so, just sex dolls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: so um, yeah, I wrote a couple of esports articles, but the other um, some sport, real sports, slowly starting back. We'll go back into that. So um, I've just been, yeah, a bit of uni work. Um, my course isn't too strenuous, so been a bit of that. But yeah, just, you know, just had a good little bit of time spent back in the family. It's been, yeah, quite nice. But um, yeah, I was glad to be able to get back down to Melbourne. Uh, yeah. yeah, to Sort of get back into a bit more normal
2: life for sure. It's been a very strange time. Um, so we'll go back to when the we all days. yeah when we all first I guess met each other. Um, CCB, what was your time like there? What are you? what is um, your fondest memories? I love
1: well CCB. I've actually got a really good story about the first time I met or know knew who Jacko was a person. If you don't mind me, <laughs> yeah, go
0: for it. So Jesus, I don't know if this
1: is scripted. Lockie Gill can um, confirm this is this actually did happen. Um, is this- so. Way uh, back in 2011, is this talk- it Harry Trot or something? Yeah, way back yeah, I in know, 2011, um, the glory days. When people talk about the great sporting leagues, they often come to mind the under 12 JFL season of
0: 2011. I was thinking about this this morning, actually. Uh, so- and so,
1: um, uh, Saint Francis Falcons, Mighty Falcons, we were coming up against Saint Monica's, and we used to tell these blokes for a living. Um, I think there weren't any interleague players playing that day, so Lockie Gill got a bit of shine time that he normally didn't get back in that day, and he was up and about and a bit chirpy. And it was like pissing down rain and. I remember there was a boundary throw-in and I was at the stoppage and this kid's, like, threw a stoppage, just ran through it, picked a ball up one hand, it's pissing down rain, and run out of it. And I was like, ah, that's fucking amazing. Like, how's he done this? And this kid, he's just about, I don't know if he's just about to kick it, but he ended up, like, tripping over his own feet (laughs) as Gilly was chasing him and this kid gets up and um, starts spraying the umpire. And, um... (sighs) This kid turned out to be uh, Jacko Davey, <laughs> who was uh, known as Wacko Jacko for about a year in between grade six and year seven before we met. Because I think, do you and Gilly play basketball together or something, or against each other? I reckon I he actually know. knew who you were. I reckon he
0: that. Like, he, he was a cricketer. Yeah. Some so, he one
1: cricket or something. Yeah. So he knew yeah. who he was. you were before I knew. But So for that little bit of time before I actually met you at school, you were known as Wacko Jacko between me and Gilly. Yeah,
0: I actually remember it then. I absolutely just... Spread. we actually got warned to get sent off yeah. and he didn't do anything it was just me <laughs> blasting in and when you get flogged yeah. week in week out by about 100 yeah. points and Darby Graham was your best player yeah. you know you're struggling
1: <laughs> um, and then I reckon else would have been year 9 Madame yeah. friend <laughs> yes, yeah. sort of walked in first day that and, um, it was me you, Sanson, and Deakin Rook yeah. um, I was glad Four. I found you and Deacon Rook because I would have struggled uh, half the sem- semester with just the wheel Sans on, <laughs> on my own because I'm um, <laughs> Yeah, well, I think we just used to sit there. But I just couldn't really speak English, so a lot of our times were spent just making up foot drafts and <laughs> opening pack simulators on FIFA stuff. So yeah, yeah. It our Times, the old C V it was a great school. I think we had such a good year level as well, which made it pretty enjoyable. Like um I think we owned sort of what the groups we were in. Like, yeah. you know, you had your I suppose you were the cavemen first before you came to Hillboys. <laughs> um and, you know, sort of the group I hung around with was sort of uh, we were the average people, I think we known ourselves, and then you got the Sportos and your sets on that um and I, I reckon it was good that people sort of owned because I was, spoke to my brother a lot and sort of the, the sportos of their year level hate being called sportos and it you know there's just beef in between everyone so I think yeah year level was really good it just everyone loved to take piss out of each other and themselves and it was pretty good times I loved it at CCB it's pretty yeah. good
2: Dare yeah, say so it was the last good year level coming out of oh, school mate, I think
1: that uh, the changes to the school in terms of rules and putting fences and stuff up probably signaled the um the end of the fun times. Yeah, uh, The old the bristle really sort of <laughs> laid down the iron fist. Yeah, we, um, we got out just. Sometime. We got out on a good time, I reckon. Yeah. Last graduating class of CCB was a good time to be out, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. So touching on it, um, who do you reckon your favourite teacher was? Uh, Toss-up, John Ferris was an absolute balter. Um <laughs> Mr Ferris, I had him year 11 history and ethics. And he was a massive Bombers fan, so we would always just talk about the Bombers and we wouldn't do much work and all our classes we spent talking about the Bombers. And he, um, he ended up coming to one of my footy games back in year 11 at YCW because he used to teach Miss myself and Tyler and I think a couple of the boys who played for Inglewood. And um, I got knocked out about two seconds into the game <laughs> and like uh, I was like sort of running into a marking contest and a bloke just had a straight elbow and just flushing the temp and I was down. And uh, anyway, the, the first thing I remember after, I remember kind of stumbling into the trainer's hands and almost fallen over. But then I sort of got laid down on the bench and I hear this voice come over and it's John Ferris walking around the bench. He says, of course you get fucking knocked out the first two <laughs> minutes into me. Come and see you play footy. <laughs> so I'd say Ferris, he was an absolute balter. I really loved him. Um, yeah, so I give him the number one ranking. Do you, you have a bill? Gaskell, Gaskell yeah. I had Gaskell he, for how to live a good life. He was a balter, especially because uh, we had a couple of blokes who played school footy and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I heard a good story on another podcast. Josh Squared about how Bill Gaskell gave Tommy Cole a spray um, before school footy because he didn't want to play because I think the draft people told him not to play in Utah yeah, school right. footy. But Bill <laughs> yeah. was a ripper. I really liked Waters as well. Um, I had him for PE. Is that Gerard? Yeah, Gerard. I think, he's, I think, yeah, he's just his banter and the way he liked to engage with everyone. I thought it was pretty grouse. So it was good fun. Yeah. Jacko, you, um, you weren't too fond of many teachers yeah.
2: <laughs> at school. <where> <laughs> I
0: got along with all. Vanita? <laughs> She was fine. Yeah. <laughs> we had a great relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So we've had your good teachers. What about your bad?
1: Um, the bad, I'd have to say, oh, it's a bit harsh going bad, but uh, my year 11 media teacher, Peter Hughes, oh, um, he was like one day, it was early on in the year, we had a sub teacher like on a Friday or something, and they gave us this worksheet to do. Anyway, we just fucked around because it media. We didn't do any work in the sub teacher. That was about this documentary. Anyway, we come back on the Monday morning and everyone's got an email saying they're on delayed decision. And we're all going, what is it? So we've all walked in, Rage He's like, oh, yeah, that was a sack you had. And the class just went off. We were like, what the fuck is this? So pretty much from that moment on, the rest of the year, that class was just an absolute wrap. It was a fun class to be in because we would just mess around. It was like me, Siggy, Hyatt, Prodoz, Kaeson um, Morecambe was in there. Like it was just a ruckus. Like we'd be wrestling, just no work ever got done. There was a lot of, a lot of banter. Longers was in it. Um, Callum Curry was in it as well. So Longers as, um, through a, fair, oh, daily was in it too. Yeah. So between Longers, they would want, like to wind Callum up about a um, veganism, which turned up starting a few arguments. Um, Brodol's body slammed hardball one day because they used to call him hot dog and he really hated it. Yeah, We no started that. One day it's it just sad. took off. And so heights come at Brodol's bitch to try and deck him and, You know, Brodol's pretty big unit just goes pff, pff, drops him <laughs> on and just erupted the class. But um yeah, I think we made Merv. We used to call him Merv because um Merv use. If um <laughs> Yeah, we made him cry a couple times, which is a bit weird, but yeah, he had no control over that class. So fun class to be in, but he wasn't a great teacher.
2: And he was stand out worse, no no close seconds?
1: Oh, I had a year 11 English teacher that was a female that was quite uh, heavy feminism movement. I won't name her, um, but I ended up doing an assignment on reverse feminism about oh. Chris Gale. Oh. So she comes up uh, when this... So it was for an old presentation and... Me and Ollie Leonard, Shannon, we sort of just used to hate how, like, favoured the girls were in the class. And I get you got a them a little bit, but to the extent, it was a bit ridiculous. And and so she, she like, when the oral presentations, the talking about the topics, Chris Gow was mentioned as one of them. And I, and I said, oh, yeah, I'm doing the Chris Gow. And she said, oh, so you're going to talk about sexism? I said, oh, I'm actually going to talk about the hypocrisy and sexism. And I, honestly, I hadn't worked on an assignment so hard and I, like, nailed this assignment. It was an oral presentation and I've, like, videos of like examples of like women, not that I'm, I'm not, it was just for the sake of the argument. I don't actually think like there's obviously issues with sexism, but I'm not <coughs> sexist and I've got 95% on it. And I out of that presentation thinking like, like, that was the most alpha thing I've ever done in my life. I reckon I'll just put this agenda. So yeah, I wasn't a big fan of her, uh, but you got all right marks under her. So I suppose I can't complain. Yeah. <laughs> so um, coming out of CCV, were you happy with your atar? Um, I think I got about what I expected. To be honest, I I was so if you got derby on one end of the scale <laughs> and daily, I was sort of in between, more to the positive side. So I got what I needed. I, <laughs> um, I got because I know daily's atar. Um, I was sort of yeah, almost the middle part of them too. So I was in the positive. Um, that was about all I thought really. I- I picked subjects that didn't scale as bad as well. I think I did five subjects and all of them got scaled down. Um, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't a great student. I did well at English and that was about it. So I sort of got what I expected, but it was all I needed really for uni. So. Yeah, yeah. So I got you in your course. And um, so what are you studying? Uh, journalism down at La Trobe in Bandura. Um, so that was – so it was tossing up whether I wanted to move, but I was pretty keen to move just to sort of um, – one, I don't think you can actually do it here in Bendigo, but also just to, you know – Branch out a bit in life and try and move on a bit and try and advance what I've been doing. So I took a gap year in between that. Um, Just mentally, I was a bit cooked at the end of year 12. So just to have that gap and also financially, it was pretty handy. So I was, um, you know, frying chicken um, at KFC for, you know, nine to five, Monday to Friday, which was grouse. And then, you know, I would go play footy on a Saturday and drink piss on a Saturday night. And it was a fun year. The gap year, honestly, might be the funnest year of my life because sort of didn't have any responsibilities and just rock up to work and, Play footy, and that was about it. It was a great year, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yep. So, moving down to Melbourne, um, how did you find first year of uni? Like so, good? the move down, so I moved on to res at Menzies, which is quite a legendary place, and I probably can't discuss a lot of things <laughs> that happened on there. Um, but is that their sense? Nah, since I was No, since was a deacon, so yeah. I also oh, cannot that. touch on what's <laughs> gonna be, say, right yeah, that, yeah.
2: Um, allegations.
1: but yeah, so I found the move, I think. Uh, they do a really good job at Menzies of trying to make it a really family environment because we're all living together and there's a lot of people living there. So it was a good, I think it helped to smooth the adjustment. And there was like blokes just wrap their arms around it. Like I had, um, my RA is a fellow called Luke Atkinson who lived in Warnable, So he knew a lot, like half of my family's from Warrnambool. So he lived in, knew a lot of my cousins and stuff. So he took me under my wing pretty early and we all just become sort of like one big family. Um, in terms of the uni work, it was probably a bit easier than what I thought it was going to be. I think just once you step out of schoolwork because it's so you know, 9 30 to 3 30, it's just blocked, this block this blocked, block, where it's sort of spread out and you're more sort of made to do it without being pushed to do it. So um there were times when it was a bit difficult and I felt like a little bit like sort of lonely at times just, you know, in your dorm and that when moving out. But um I quickly I had a lot of exercise that I would things that I would do to make myself feel better about myself, which was, um, you know, really good. So I thoroughly enjoyed the year. It was such a great experience. And I think moving on to res was a key thing for me because I just met so many people, made so many mates, and I, you know, the boys who I lived with, um, they didn't go on res, they just moved into the house, which is fine. I think it's a good idea, but so they don't really know anyone from their uni. Yeah. So I think that moving on to res was such a great decision. And luckily, I had a few few people from Benny on my floor, like I had Meg Williams, Mia um, McConaughey, Annabelle Gallagher, and then, you know, there was a couple others like Meg Patterson, um, Ruby Burke, and stuff. So we had a little bit of a Bendigo group, which was good. So yeah, Mr. Krauss here.
2: Yeah, and so with Corona, did you have you switched to online
1: learning? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so it's I, I try not to complain too much because my course I'm not studying engineering. I've made it to a studying engineering and they're downloading simulators <laughs> for computers and doing weird stuff. I'm just writing articles and making like audio podcasts and stuff like that. So it's not too bad. Um, but I just every time I do a bit of work, I think oh, I'm paying so much money. <laughs> like. As soon as I get a job, I'm going to be sinking half of my money into this. When I was just learning off a laptop for a year, so uh, it's testing. Um, I just feel really sorry for the people who are doing a lot more complex your sciences and stuff like that. Even my brother's doing like a, I think a double degree in business and marketing, and even some of the stuff that he's got to do, he's doing heaps of group assignments. And I'm just like, nah, that's awful. But so it's been frustrating. But yeah, oh, I try not to complain too much about it.
2: Yeah, yeah. So you were talking about um, your mates that moved down that you're living with at the moment. <laughs> Touch on that for
1: us. Yeah, so uh we've got Siggy, Gilly, uh Jimmy Ryan and myself. So Siggy and Jimmy moved down into a house last year. So it was actually Siggy's sister was living in this house, a share house, and Siggy managed to sort of get his way into it, snabel it before it went out on the market. So in that house was Brooksy, Pilly, Cold <sighs> Pillar Pill, and Jimmy and Dan. And uh safe to say Jimmy wasn't really, usually impressed with some of Cold Pillar Pill's um cleaning behaviours, and he wasn't the net Jimmy's a real OCD neat freak and so you see it frustrated a lot of Kyle. But so they were down there already. I was on res and I used to spend a bit of time with them. And then um, so we made about halfway through the year. Gilly was keen on coming down because he was originally doing uni. at the, uh, He was going to do uni. And so we all moved into the house. Much better house than what they were living in. Like that was an absolute dump what they were living in. So yeah, and it's just down the road. And um, yeah, so we've got Gilly, Jimmy and Siggy, which is good fun. Um, I think... Jimmy's real OCD, but the problem is Jimmy and Gilly are at work so much. So Jimmy will come home from work and because he's dealing like well, he works at Centrelink, so he's dealing with um some interesting characters. He just gets home, doesn't want to talk to anyone, which is fine. Whereas Gilly's a bit more up and about. Me and Siggy, he's works at a cafe at Deacon, which is just started going back. But you know that sort of couple of weeks back from Rona, we just sit there play FL Evo two all day. Yeah. Like we're sort of like an old married couple in terms. We just say some weird stuff. Like people would walk in on conversations, be like, "What's going on here?" But like. That's so much fun, um, the group of lads we got down there. It's awesome. Um, yeah, Gilly was going to uni for about two weeks and then decided he was going to drop out because I think he went to about one class. But So he and Jimmy just working at Senno, but it's an awesome dynamic. Really love it um, down there. So it's been a great house, a bit of fun. Yeah,
2: so um, you're saying that Pilly's got some pretty bad clean habits. Is he
1: being the hardest to live with? Well, Pilly's not in the house that we're in at the moment, so it's me, Jimmy, Gilly, and Siggy. Um None of them are really bad to live with. Um, Gilly's done a couple of odd things. like So usually at, when Rona wasn't on, the boys, would, would, they start real early work in the morning. And this was back when I'm just working online. So I'd stay at the house. And so they're off at you know all out of the house at 7.30. So I'd usually do the dishwasher in the morning just because i had the time to. And um, Siggy sends me a message and he goes, you wouldn't believe what Gilly tried to do this morning. And Gilly had like, this was a brand new clean dishwasher that had been run overnight. And... Gilly's got this just bowl of like wheat or some cereal that he's had and he tried to put it in the dishwasher when it was all clean and Siggy was just going off at him saying you can't be doing that and Gilly's like, oh, I just want to put it in this corner. It's like, you can't put dirty dishes in the dishwasher. Um, he also had another bad one-off where he was cooking a dinner and he wanted to borrow some of Siggy's like oyster sauce and Siggy goes, oh yeah, you can use it just like you know, I haven't used it in a while. And so he has a look at it and he's like, oh, I don't know what this thing is inside of it. And I look over and I said, that's mold, Gilly. You can't. <laughs> oh, so, no. so anyway, so Gilly goes, well, what do I do with it? So he goes, you know, just would bin outside. And then Gilly just, you know, grabs it, lid on back in the shelf. Oh. And I was like, Gilly, you can't, mate, we can't be doing this. Um, so I had a couple of ordinary incidents early, but he's been good, Gilly. He's, um, he loves his protein shakes and stuff. Um, well, it's pretty lucky. We've had a pretty good gym set up. Jimmy, had this like machine that he brought down that he never used at home, and it's like a like a ten-in-one machine. It's got like a pull-down bar, it's got a like incline chest thing, um, like leg stuff. And between us, we've been able to create some good equipment. So, safe so to say that me, Jimmy, Dan don't do any uh, gym work when Gilly's around. Um, <sighs> given our physical statures, um, but yeah, you can guarantee Gilly like the energy in the bloke. Like he, one day we went for a kit, We've been going for kicks of the footy since we've sort of been allowed to expand a bit more and. We'll go for a kick of the footy for about two hours in the morning. He'll come home. We'll do a bit of a workout. He'll go play like two hours of basketball with his brother, come home, still work out again. Um, Yeah, he's he's an animal. Absolute unit. And He's had his head split open on the weekend. Um, (laughs) They were playing basketball. And this, again, comes back to his competitive nature. But they were playing him, Staggy and Rafi playing basketball. And Gilly's got like a concrete three-point line and then a ring at his house. And Staggy goes up for a shot. And Gilly comes for like a swat, full-blown, Staggy pump fakes. So Gilly hits that, and he flips over him, head first on concrete, splits oh his head open. So he spent all this week at home, um, just massive <laughs> pool of blood. But again, it's just his competitive nature. He can't, he's 100% all the time. why oh. I love him. What's that um,
2: diet that doing, he it? was doing? He oh, went the, uh, the game changers Yeah, diet. so he was
1: heavily influenced by game changers. Like <laughs> we, we just went to the pub one we went and played a bit of inter golf and then went to the pub. And all of a sudden, he's ordered a um, uh, vegan gnocchi at Queen Arms. Like me and had gone up, and we were ordering, you know, the southern fried crispy chicken <coughs> burger. And like, I'm not against it. And he's like, oh yeah, watch Game Change is really into. It? And to his credit, he stayed with it for a long time. I think he sort of faded out a bit between like vegetarian and stuff. But he's basically a heavy. I think just with his body because he wants it to be good. His heavy chicken and rice. He tries to eat in a calorie deficit, which he goes all out on his stuff. It's too much effort. <laughs> oh, mate. You can see him. He's chucking like calories and stuff like that, which is good. I mm. respect. It's why he gets his body into the shape it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, But he eats. People won't know this about anybody. Eats, we've started calling him dinner's guild because he eats three dinners every night. <laughs> like we'll be sitting down, you know, so me and Sig, we cook for each other because we don't really care what we're putting in. Jimmy and Gilly, they cook their own just because they come home late and whatever and He'll come down to eat his dinner, which will be like chicken and vegetables. He'll then go and have like an hour later another massive plate of like roast pumpkin or something like another vegetables. A bit later he'll go out and have a um, like a bowl of cereal or something. And then, you know, at 11 o'clock we'll head over to Macca's and there'll be <laughs> a large chips and a soft serve cone. He just loves eating food, that fella. <laughs> so who's the best cook? Um, I'll say Siggy. I think his versatility is really good. Like he can whip up just about anything. We're all good cooks, I reckon. Um I reckon Siggy, though, just his variety and the effort he goes to, he's yeah, he's good. He can do just about anything.
2: A multi-skilled man. Um, so, Sport, you've been going for a kick of the football. Going back to your prime playing days, um,
1: YCW, a couple flags there. Yeah, so the one flag at YCW, which was in a the most ridiculous game of football, um, played out at Pyramid Hill in an absolute hurricane. Inglewood's best player got sent off in the first minute of the game, which probably helped us and... Inglewood did a couple of few silly things, missing goals from about a metre out and stuff. Um, There was a controversial goal call, which they love to half on about. Um, But uh, as I said, they wasted a lot of opportunities that they could have won that game. And yeah, to win a grand final in the last 30 seconds after. I would for footy, so I I hadn't won a cricket. I'd lost about three cricket grand finals, three cricket semi-finals. I'd lost a footy grand final. I'd been in about three or four prelims for footy. To finally win a grand final when it looked like we weren't going to win a grand final for a fair bit of that game was um, a massive relief. It was just a nuts game footy. Yeah. So you Um, had the privilege of playing alongside Mitch in that game as well. Oh, yeah. Me and Mitch were backline brothers (laughs) that year. So me and Waco, we used to patrol the halfback. And I love playing with Waco because we knew each other really well. and um, were able to sort of get each other a lot of kicks just by knowing where we were. Mitchell stuck in the back pocket. Um, I just remember this. There was Mitchell. I remember one game where we were playing surf just that back us over, like 100, we're winning by a lot. And I let out on this kick out and Mitchell kicks it out about 50 metres in front of me and it goes out, turnover free kick. And he yells at me saying I wasn't leading hard <laughs> enough at the ball. And I was like, oh, you can't be shooting into me. Um, so a couple like that. And in the grand final, there was an absolute hurricane blowing against us and he was on kick outs. I don't know why he was on kick outs because we had probably four or five better kicks in that back He makes himself Mitchell. as the best kick. Um, like, he hit one kick out in that one Pretty good kick out in that game, which he loves half and on about. But there was one particular one, which I think cost us a goal, where I think most people know, especially at lower-skilled football levels like the London Valley, we, we keep it simple. If there's not a dead-open target, long down the line, get it to the boundary. And we were kicking into an absolute hurricane, and Daly decides, oh, I'm going to spear one straight down the middle, holds up, and the wind good flat just runs over it, bangs straight over her head. So if we had lost that game final, I would have been putting a lot of blame on Mitchell. Oh, that's great. Um,
0: going back to that bloke,
1: it got sent off. Who was it? Uh, Jaden Bequeer. So he was very good footballer, yeah. but a very scary man. Well, we because like you can obviously
0: when Lee has like a buy around yeah, and then you can like get a transfer. Yeah, so me and Shannon Murphy went to for, went to play for Bridgewater, yeah. and they happened to play against Inglewood, and like obviously the league standards yeah. like it's a fair difference. Yeah. Like you got like twelve year old kids sometimes Yeah. Around, <laughs> like in the forward pockets and stuff. Anyway. We were, like, Inglewood must – like that was the year that you guys won the flag against yeah. him. So they were pretty good. And, like, Shannon, he's interleague, like, of Bendigo League, and I'm, I was just, like, a, a battler. But anyway, we were, like, playing on the nut, and we are getting, like, a fair bit of it, and, like, they weren't happy. And, like, a couple of boys started, like, throwing punches at us and stuff like this at, like, halftime and that. Anyway, got out to, like, the fourth quarter. we're the up by, like, a couple of goals. Anyway – this kid was playing in the ruck and he hits it down I rove it and just like kick it. Next minute, I'm on the ground, he's on the ground and he just basically just kicks the shit out of me <laughs> yeah. in my chest and I'm like, what's going on? And the umpire sees it and obviously like the umpires are going to be lower yeah. quality than what the Benigo League umpires are. I was like, hey, you've got to send him <laughs> off. He looks at me, he's like, Nah, he's my nephew. Oh, <laughs> oh. so this is Bequeer. <laughs> oh, and so yeah. I was just like, what is going on? And then, oh, it was just as strange as shit. Yeah. Oh,
1: well, fine. I remember Bequeer, he, I'm not 100% sure, but I think he was close to getting disqualified from BJFL for like the total suspension games. Because yeah. I remember we once played a Straff game. I think he's playing for Huntley. Yeah, right. Straff would say we were just, you know, basic white kids from Straff say <laughs> we never got any scraps or anything. All of a sudden, these Huntley boys are just throwing up This JB's just a rag, kids and. So um, that was the first day he got in, but gun footballer like pure athlete. For the, um, like I obviously can't compare to Bendigo because I didn't play <laughs> Bendigo. But for the Loddon Valley, he was a big boy, could run, could kick. Um, but yeah, him getting sent off probably helped us winning that flag quite a fair bit. He
0: punched up his coach. I reckon that game that I played against him, <laughs> like, I reckon he got he got like, dragged because after he kicked me, like, yeah. they didn't want him to like. Do something Kill somebody. Yeah. <laughs> so he got dragged. And I reckon that he started throwing punches yeah, at the Yeah, they
1: were really like – I know we had some rough and tough kids. Like we had fights pretty much every game. But the good kids, that were super able. Like There were some boys in there just wanted to
0: – It was like
1: up. all these kids who were just probably matched a few of our folks to be honest. Um But then they'd just be like kuda Kyle, and just be sitting there doing nothing. I like, like, he's just a good bloke just standing there. He doesn't want to get in any fights. Yeah, and got all got these other boys punching on with everyone. Cool. Yeah, it's a rough yeah. and tough like You learn. A little bit about fight. I'm not that I was in any. Of them, I, was I, know, I know my skills. I reckon yeah. I, for the two years, like well, two years I played in the 18s, we would have had fights pretty much every game, and I reckon I would have been involved in two of them. And it was just for pure chance that I was Happen right where it. the fight was. Yeah. There. there wasn't any. I was never running over any gates. I knew my strengths, and um uh, yeah, fighting wasn't one of them. That's safe to say.
2: You were saying um you've been in a couple losing cricket finals as well. What's your
1: cricket career been like? Cricket. I'll, not to overstate my career, it was much better than my football career. I actually had a little bit of ability. So I played, I started, myself, Jimmy and Zay Ryan, we all started playing for the Benio Cricket Club when we were five years old. So we are playing under 11s when we were like five years old. So there was a lot of, a fair bit of development period. But I played in a really good team where we had like, obviously Jimmy Ryan's Zay Ryan, blokes who played Vic, a lot of blokes who played Rep. Somehow we didn't manage to win a flag. Uh during those years, we pretty much played finals every year. Um, Do you know I actually beat Tubbs? In yeah, the I, that's where I thought you were going with this. I was thinking, oh, here we go. He's brought this up. So
0: now that you mentioned that, I've actually beat him under eleven A's. Yeah, that was yeah. a yeah, that was a tra- traumatic day. We only won by that two runs. runs. Yeah, yeah it was, yeah. wasn't wasn't much. Came down
1: last ball. Um, I won league bowl that year as so well. Just in oh, case you are hundred. Uh, I was second in league average that year with an average of hundred. <laughs> that was the one thing I brag about my cricket career. So I, I had an average in under eleven A's of hundred on the dot. hundred 100 runs, runs for one dismissal. Um, um, but yeah, so I played, yeah, Bendigo all the way up and still playing now in the, um just in the b grade. playing along in the twos. Um, I was going to have a one-year retirement this year just because <laughs> the, the travel was getting a bit tedious from Melbourne to Bendigo every week. Like, I love it, love the club, love the culture, love the boys, but I was just getting a bit sick of going up and down. But then Did you win um, the flag? Yeah, we won a grade flag. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not last season, but season yeah, four. That right, was, yeah. speaking of nuts games, oh my God, that was one of the all-timers. Square needed, I think. 20 runs to win, and they were only two wickets down and lost seven. They lost six for three, seven for 14, and yeah. lost the grand final by about 10 runs. That was outrageous. Um, but yeah, so then, um, uh, the day before my birthday, which was two weeks ago, my uncle rocks up with a brand new cricket bat and I've gone, Well, oh, looks like I'm playing cricket again this year. Um, so new shtick. So oh, I think I'll go around for another crack. Um, but yeah, yeah, love it. It's a sport that sort of every person who plays cricket has a love-hate relationship between cricket because it can – some days I'm sitting out in the field and it's about 40 degrees and I'm at Atkins thinking, geez, I'd love to be sinking about 40 beers next to a pool right now rather than sitting out here. But, no, nah, I love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. So you're going to pull the, uh, the Michael Jordan retirement? Yeah, out. I was going. I was like, Michael Jordan retirement, one year I'll come out. Make a doco on me. Make a doco. Yeah. <laughs> um, Stay in Melbourne, Sink Beers, like limit my travel, and yeah, all of a sudden the cricket bat was like the yeah, the so I, the Michael Jordan without actually missing any cricket. <laughs> Did you watch the Last Dance yeah. by any chance? Yeah. Honestly, my favourite. I think how good you can tell how good it is is that my dad doesn't watch but like he started watching a little bit of it when last year's NBA finals, Raptors Celtics. I'm sorry, Raptors Warriors. He was starting yeah. to get into it, like he was really liking it. And then he watched this whole DOCO and was just like amazed by it. And I think for a nine, 1998 and pre 90s and 80s, for that quality of a doco to be shot in that, and even I don't know if you the game six the movie, which came the day after, like all the camera quality of that, like a high definition game from 1998, like we didn't have high definition footy games until about three years ago, and they've got this stuff from 1998. It's just remarkable, it's yeah. unbelievable.
2: It was mind blowing the amount of like just good footage that they got, yeah. and it what like
1: yeah, it it was very well done doco, oh, Brilliant. Like, Scottie Scotty Pippen's voice i, re- I can't believe scotty coming out of it and said he didn't like the way he was portrayed that's what i said to jack reckon well. everyone who said about this like he's come out like i don't think no one ever disliked him but i think people just more grew up more respect to how good of a player he was like jordan said if there was no pippin there's no jordan yeah So exactly. and his so, voice oh i could listen to his voice all day that raspy sort of sure. just tone was awesome just gets you around. Oh, i love
2: it <laughs> oh i tell you what Rodman, oh, Oh,
1: what a strange character! (laughs) He is, he is. I was trying to, there's, wish we kind of, he's sort of, it's not on the same level, but the Liberatore is close to Rodman territory, but not as much as the thing is, AFL doesn't let anybody. Tom Liberatore couldn't go to WWE halfway, yeah, yeah. Tom (laughs) Liberatore couldn't go to the WWE during Grand Final, hey, boys, I'm not coming to the parade, I'm just gonna go wrestle. (laughs) That doesn't happen, yeah. So, Rodman, that's what a weapon, yeah, he's something else, he is. Um.
0: And the players, oh, they ha- they'd have to hate the media. Like, anywhere they go.
1: Well, that's a the thing. Yeah. You just get... Especially for them, the, they have, like, I understand we all want access as people. But in terms of, like, those players, like, LeBron gets surrounded by, like, 30 people in a locker room when he's taking his socks off after a game. Like, in the AFL, you'll see four people in the media walking yeah. around interviewing people in a Roman Grind style. Like, it's nowhere near as intense as what it is for them, blokes. Exactly. And we spoke to Duggan about it, like, how Jordan said how much a
2: camera can change. Like yeah. you as a person and like Duggo being a just you know, your average football player yeah. said doesn't cop it as much, but geez the amount that He's
0: trying to make Nick Nat and yeah, just yeah, Nick flooding be, over yeah, to yeah, him. Yeah,
1: so it's so, like, so hard for him. And yeah, I think those even names. um like that scene I think it's in around episode five or six where he basically can't leave his hotel room and he talks about how yeah. the media and that's why I feel sorry for him because even stuff like uh when they talked about him not Publicly putting support behind that black yeah, um, MP. It. It's like, yeah. if he, like, I understand why, but also say whatever he says, he's going to get so much for saying it. Like, if he says he's pro it, then all these people are going to say, like, there's so much pressure on everything that he says. And I, that's just be a hard way to live life, not really being able to leave your house or have so much weight on everything you say. Yeah. But and I think, like,
2: the difference between yeah. Jordan and Bron is that Jordan, those, like, that's that thing with the, uh, not getting into politics and saying, you know, anyone can buy a shoe, he doesn't yeah. doesn't care. Difference is like LeBron is has been a big advocate for yeah like yeah human when rights. That, and,
0: this bloke's just recently
1: yeah. what's his name? Um George Yeah, this is the MP. George Ford. Yeah. Floyd. Yeah. Oh George Floyd the guy. Yeah, yeah. sorry, yeah, yeah. I thought it was something. Yeah, that's just that's...
0: recently passed away. Well LeBron's on his Instagram and everything. Straight away. Yeah. I like think within and it, 10 even minutes, seven yeah. years yeah.
1: prior when um I can't remember. Yeah, the, his name. It's the, I can't, it was over Donald Sterling's. He was the Clippers owner at the time, and he there was recordings of him saying really like racist stuff about his players and stuff. Yeah. That he they came out with that I can't breathe T-shirts. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I, I like I love LeBron. I think it's great what he does. I do feel sorry though in terms of Jordan. Like that was a really hard time to come out and say things like that. Exactly. It wasn't. I don't think people were as socially aware as what they are now. Yeah. So I think his ability to and as well, it's hard for him to come out. And, you know, he has to go through a press conference and say this, where LeBron just goes, I'll post. Like, it's good. I love LeBron, what he's doing. But so much easier for him to do than what. And people are socially wake.
2: Yeah, and it's crazy that Jordan had the fan base he had with no social media. I know,
1: that's outrageous. Can you imagine how big he'd been here?
2: Yeah, like, if he was in this current era or if social media was back in his era, just crazy. Outrageous. But
0: he'd be portrayed as a completely different person. Oh, he would, yeah, Yeah,
2: because social media
1: changes everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but anyway. Yes. Any other Netflix series, John?
1: Um, so I was big on on Amazon when they released The Test earlier this year. Yeah, I was obsessed with it. I watched yeah. that twice. I watched it pretty much in about a day on the day it released. And yes, then um, that weekend, yeah. um, I went home and watched it with dad. Um, I got into the Formula One series on Netflix. I can't I drive to survive, I believe yeah, it's called. Yeah. That's pretty good. I really enjoyed the first season a bit more than second. That was pretty good. Um Out of Banks. Oh, obsessed I with was legendary. I watched, honestly i've just i've been seeing it all on my tiktok and i thought oh, i'll give it a crack. And it was like 10 o'clock on a thursday night and i was like oh, i'll just watch it until i get tired go to bed next thing i know i've watched 10 straight episodes <laughs> haven't looked at my phone the sun's up the birds are chirping and dad's walked in about to go to work to drive some trains and he's oh, what are you doing up huh? so yeah, well, i was it, it, i love that
0: yeah well my sister messaged me and was like and for those that know her male, she's and she says something that's sort of like, you take it with a grain of salt. Like she goes, watch this Netflix series. And oh, the last 100 things she's told me to watch have not been good. So I was like, oh, I sort of had a bad opinion on it already. I watched like an episode and the first episode is a bit like, takes a little bit to like sort of yeah. get into it. And then I watched the first episode and I was like, oh, I'm not sold. And then I started the second and then I reckon I watched nine straight yeah. It, is, it was action. just that, that good.
1: Yeah, um, Johnny B is an absolute goat. Oh, I love <laughs> that. I could aspire to be a person in life. I reckon I'd be trying to be Just the, the swagger on him to rock around with like shirt unbuttoned yeah. nonstop, like little bandana thing around his neck. Like.
0: That's elite, yeah.
1: That's goat status. And yeah. their
0: theme song, that's sucking at that. Oh, um, mate. That... What's it called? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's nailed it. Yeah,
1: nah, your <laughs> left hand. Yeah. Yeah, speaking yeah. No, yeah. Speaks not...
0: music. Any favourite artists, favourite songs?
1: Uh, I've become big in the last 12 months on Harry Styles. I love, I reckon Fine Line, his album last year, is one of the albums of the year. Oh, i would listened to that non-stop. Uh, my music taste has almost been a bit curt. Like I have a, it's like basic, but weird. It's like really basic, but just like basic of sort of every genre almost. So it's, my playlists are a bit curt. Um, moving into the house, we picked up a couple, like everyone sort of fed off each other's playlist. So um, Siggy loves listening to a lot of, like grime and UK stuff, which I'm really I've become a big fan of AJ Tracy. Yes. His last song, Dinner yes. Guest. Oh. Mate, that gets whenever we get in the car, that is first song played. Like everyone's up and about. Um, Gilly, just a couple more not like indie, but a bit like in your more Triple J, like your jungle giant songs. And so I've started yeah. getting into a bit of that as well. Jimmy is I'd say mine's weird because it's it's not weird, it's just really basic like it's just basic across multiple genders. Jimmy, he listens to like he loves top twenty, probably similar to me, but it's like He's got his top 20 like pop songs that you'll hear him listening to. Then there's country music and he loves country music. Then he's got like religious songs in there because one of our mates, Tommy Hart, got him onto some religious music. So it's just this conjumble of weirdness. That's just like, you look at Jimmy and you're like, what is he going? Like, what, is he going? what am I hearing? So um, yeah, Harry Styles is probably my number one at the moment. I obviously love the man. Yeah. How about you, Jack? That's
0: my uh, music genre. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: it's
0: a bit of everything. Yeah. Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. Yeah, he's in there. Um... <laughs> Kenny Chesney, Lee Kern, yeah, they're yeah. all in there. Yeah, yep. Balma
2: oh, Gambino. No, yeah. no, I'm big on Arctic monkeys at the moment. Arctic massive. Monkeys, yeah. Early. Going Arctic off
0: the Gambino. Monkeys. Yeah.
1: No, it's because now the Missos got him onto these indie sort of oh, We, <laughs> yeah, got a all we J collect now. we collect set lists and we go to Gigs Live and uh, I actually do have a set list framed in my room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, my Instagram is filled of um Shay, just oh I've got this set list, this set list. <laughs> She ever gone to a concert and not got a set list? Um, I don't know. They get pretty crazy for set lists. Like, I've yeah. So Thinks, not of, that like, I know jumping anything. Over the,
2: jumping over the stages, yeah. 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 <laughs> I've, only been, I've
1: only been to two concerts in my life. So I went to Coldplay their last tour in Australia, which was nuts. And it almost put me off going to see stuff because it was – like that's an all-time concert Coldplay had full of dreams, like 80,000 people at Marvel. Like It was nuts. Went and saw Khalid last year, and that was pretty good. But my brother walked out of there, and he was just like, that wasn't as good as Coldplay. I was like, it's harsh to judge it on that. He's only got two albums, and Coldplay, like, all-time band, like, all-time set-up. Like, like, everyone had, like, wristbands and stuff that had automatic lighting on it and stuff. So the whole stadium's, like, just lit up and doing all these different, like, lights and fireworks, and it was great Yeah. I never used to be big on concerts.
2: Like, I reckon I went to one or two for ages, and now, like, I love them. Live yeah. music is something yeah, else. Yeah, it's grouse. Yeah. It's real top quality. Um, so football's coming back. What are we down to? Less than two
1: weeks? June 11. Yeah, June 11. Yeah. Oh.
2: Big game first up. Yeah, Collingwood Tigers. yeah. So your big footy. Yeah. Do
1: you have any big tips? Um, so I... At the start of the season, thought there's three teams that are genuine premiership contenders, and that was the Tigers, who I was the favourites, Eagles, and the Giants. The Giants, I reckon, need sort of everything to go right from. That was pre-season. I think actually Corona might help the Giants a bit more than the Eagles. Just you know, the Eagles have got to spend six weeks out at Metricon. The Giants, the crowds aren't going to affect them as much as it may affect other teams. I think it's going to come. To, I think Collingwood probably come back into the list race now as well because it's going to come down to list depth. So. I think the Tigers are still up there, but I think that four of Tigers, um, Giants, Eagles, Collingwood, that's your premiership core right there, I reckon, just because they're the teams with the deepest lists. Yeah. Um, and I think the Eagles probably like, – I think they'll still do well, but I think uh, it's interesting to see how they'll go up at the Gold Coast. I think the Tigers are the ones to beat, though, as much as I hate to say it. Yeah. Um, I'm so excited for it, though. Like, I've been dulled out of no live sport. Like, there's only so many um, times you can watch reruns on Foxwood <laughs> and stuff like that before it. Yeah, all becomes a bit tedious. So a lot of um, the experts, so
2: a lot of the fans first are saying that this season's uh, avoided or have an asterisk next to whoever wins the Premier League. Just like EPL. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. So it will always be Anything an to stop Liverpool
1: winning the Premier League, I'm <laughs> <Yeah. all for. laughs> yeah.
2: But the, a lot of experts, on the other hand, are saying this will be the fairest season in years because everyone versus each other wants. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this year? I
1: think fair is a harsh word just because the fixture is going to be a bit diluted in terms of, um, because of the hub. Um, I think it's going to be the hardest premiership to win pretty much ever. I reckon Sh- like short season, um, you know, you've got no crowds. There's a lot less resources around clubs now. I think it's going to be, although it's okay. Of course it's going to have an asterisk. I reckon, and no crowds. And hopefully that's by some miracle, you know, crowds at a grand final or something, but um I, like, I was a bit pe- oh, pessimistic at the start of the year and in that frame, oh, it's an asterisk, and asterisk. But I think it's going to be such a hard premiership to win and whoever wins it, like, I think it's going to be in a very elite team. I don't see someone running from the clouds to win it given how hard it's going to be no. to win it this year.
2: You can't see a, a Brisbane having the same, like, jump from, what were they, 16th up yeah. to 2nd. I, I still
1: think they're a genuine top eight team. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they've necessarily got the five power. I just think they're young as well. That's the experience. And you saw that's pretty much what cost them last year is just the lack of experience Once in that side. Finals, um, yeah. Because they are a good team and on talent they have as good it as anyone, um, but just that youth. Because the big jump to go, not many teams go sixteenth to second, and then you're playing the finals. Up as well. yeah, yeah, it's exactly. hard. So yeah, you watch the Bulldogs. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. They fall off a cliff after you know that sort of same jump. Yeah. Um, so they could if they get a right window. Then maybe I just think they don't have probably the same firepower and depth as some of those Richmond, Collingwood, and Giants and Eagles. Yeah,
2: it, and it's probably. Geelong, this would be nearly their, last, their last year. Crack. It's yeah. their last crack at it. Yeah. And um, they've got a good chance of playing that many games at home, yeah, but um, no finals. I,
1: they can't crack uh, it. In I don't finals. think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, as you said, the Cats have got one year. I'm just, I am was just thinking about it the other day. It's sad that Gary Abbott's probably going to, his last game's going to be played in front of no fans. Yeah. That's yeah. so stiff. Like, probably the greatest player that we've ever watched is going to get the weirdest send off just about of all time. Yeah. Um, but, I'm, yeah, I'm stoked for what this season brings. I think you're going to find that just seeing footy back is going to be massive. Um, yeah, I think, though, those four teams are probably the ones that everyone's going to be chasing.
2: Yeah, and um, EPL, you big on the null
1: and void Yeah, I'm Manchester yeah. United supporter, so yes, I don't want to see Liverpool win the Premier League. So I was stoked. With life. I understand that they've been so much better than everyone else, and they do deserve it. But if you don't play 38 games... <laughs> I don't know. So I think the important thing for the Premier League is I don't like the the way they're going about restarting. I think it's very silly given how many... The UK is pretty cooked at the moment, one. Two, there's still so many active players that have tested positive. problem is if you get an outbreak within a team, season's got to be cancelled. I think they need to make sure that they promote teams still but just don't relegate. I think it's a bit harsh to relegate teams. And I think... The concerns about over-promoting are going to be outweighed, by there's not going to be as much TV money in it next year as what they probably would have been off. Because that's the big thing about teams getting promoted is the money that they're going to make from getting into the prem. So I think you should still, within their four divisions, promote all teams, but I don't think it's fair probably to relegate. So I think you can have an extra um, three teams, a 23-team season for one season or a couple of seasons before you find a way to even it out. Maybe you have to relegate a fourth team for a couple of seasons later. But I think, yeah, the extra promotion... Um, is still important at this stage for the teams that have done well. They deserve to get the jump that they deserve.
2: Yeah. And al- already there's been players that have either come back to training and then said they're not coming back. Like Kante yeah. went yeah. to one training and said, no, nah, too risky. Can start again, please? Kante. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say um, that past
1: five times for the viewers at home.
2: <laughs> um, Troy Deeney, another one yeah. that said that he's not too keen on it. If so there's, like like you said, so many positive tests within teams and staff and yeah. everything. They are really pushing it, and it's
1: really risky. I don't think they can get back. Um, I think it's – well, I think they are. I think they officially said they are coming back. I think it's very silly. Um, yeah, Liverpool deserve the title. Do I want them to know? Yes, please. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't think they can just go back to playing. They've got to – and, again, the ramifications, and I've sort of got similar opinions of the NBA. You can't – do too much now that it's going to affect next season. Um, because the fact is, sports like the Premier League and um, the NBA, they're almost played like eight out of the 12 months of the year. Unlike footy, you get one block during the middle of the year. So it's harder for them to structure if something goes unexpected at the end of one season, that it can affect the other season dramatically.
2: Yeah. And the thing is, so it's 2020 now. We're not too far off the next World Cup. So if you... Like if they extend this to whatever, change the start time for the next one yeah. means that finish times are changed, and then you
1: have got to try and figure out yeah. how you get the world and Cup the Euros in. as well have been pushed back as well. So if you know they don't do the right job of getting that in in twenty twenty one, you're backing out on them. And the Euros, I think this was going to be the Euros that they were playing like just everywhere. I don't think there was a yeah. host country yeah. for the Euro, so I don't think you can do that anymore. No, no um, way. So they've got a tough task away in those of getting it right. Um, so, I think you just got to sit back and, you know, yeah, Liverpool deserve the title. I don't want them to win, but you can't go out and play again. It's very silly. Yeah.
2: I would hate to be on the um, team making decisions. It oh. would uh, be very tough. Yeah. So, we'll get on to um, a tough to talk about topic, something serious. Um, it's been how long now since
1: September? So bit over six, almost, what, nine or so months, I reckon. Yeah,
2: yeah. so coming up to nearly 12 months since yeah. um, your good mate, Blocky Horan, passed away. Um, how have you been coping with that?
1: Yeah, it was a really tough thing, especially – well, it's tough always, but I think particularly start, um, especially just because grief is such a weird thing, and especially when it happens to a young person. Like, I had – all four of my grandparents passed away by the time I was 15. And I sort of thought, oh, well, I've got used to this. I can get over this. But at least they sort of got a crack at life, which Tika didn't, which like hurts. And it's just the, especially in that sort of three weeks, and I suppose because of the way things happened, the funeral, normally when people pass the funeral was a week or so after, there was pretty much a solid like three week period between it happening and the funeral. And that was like a really tough time in between that. I thought because there were so many of us in the same situation, we were able to rally around each other, which was really important. Like I pretty much spent those next few weeks um, with a couple of the boys, Colin Maddie, Uzak, and Daly, when he wasn't working, we pretty much just spent the three weeks almost side by side, um, which helped us get through it a lot. But um, yeah, that funeral day, just it's the rollercoaster, the way of emotions, you know, from, you know, sadness to, you know, you're laughing. I thought they did the funeral really well because they just told stories about him, which I think is the way all funeral, I just don't think they should be, June by a religious sort of propaganda. Not that I'm a Catholic because I'm pro it, but I think telling stories is a much better way to celebrate someone's life. So you'd be laughing about something one second, then you're crying because you see a photo or something. And then, you know, when it goes past, the body goes past, you're just thinking you're so angry because you're never going to get to see him again. And so that was a really tough, the months, especially after that, I pretty much struggled to be happy about anything for a fair while. I reckon it was probably about Christmas time when I started you know, liking stuff again and being happy because it was it was a struggle naturally to feel happy, but also I almost felt guilty for feeling happy. Like I can remember the week after he passed away it was AFL Grand Final weekend, and I, I went down to Melbourne to go you know watch it with some of the boys. And not there was the boys you know were getting around me, and making sure I was so supportive. But I remember just I sort of nully, sillyly thought you know if I drank a bit, it might you know take my mind off it. But I just felt so isolated in like I was with fifteen of my best mates. And I felt so isolated. And that's when I realised I probably had a, a bit of a problem and this was going to take some time to get with. And so, but just the support we got from internally, I think rallying around each other. was I think we did it. Well, there's no right or wrong way to do it, but we did such a good job at, um, you know, getting around each other and looking out for each other. Like, especially with Mitchell. Like, I've been good mates with Mitchell for a while, but I don't think I ever thought I could see such a sensitive side in him because he's got a prickly character. <laughs> yeah. Um So to see him sort of, not change but just let that out it was such and we both did it like we'd never really seen each other cry of each other we spent lots of times crying together and stuff and um I think just that yeah that internal support that we got around each other really helped each other and it's still it's almost a weird thing now because sometimes I'll be driving in the car I'll hear a song on the radio and it'll remind me of something that I've done with him or a memory of time that we spent together sometimes I'll smile at that and then other days I'll cry at that so it's just a you know I think that just constantly evolves but um like it was his birthday last week and I remember that was the, uh, one of the first times in a while that i you know, sort of – like I think about it every day but in terms of just sitting for a few hours just thinking about it, I was like – but, yeah, so I think, yeah, the way we were able to rally around each other was so important for us um, making sure that we were able to get through it.
2: Yeah, yeah. And um, I think one thing with our society that's starting to get broken down is being a, a male with – mental health problems or struggling with something mentally. There's so much stigma around it, which makes it hard for you to, like, express that there is a problem, talk about it with people. So it's good that, you know, you were able to find people that,
1: were supportive of yeah, that yeah i think that was important odds you know i think we all have gone through our own issues i think everyone it's hard to go through life and say you yeah, haven't suffered any sort of um, mental stress or illness at times and you know i've had my fair share of the ringers before getting to that so i felt pretty well equipped as much as you know it's hard i felt equipped and knowledgeable to know right we need to do this and that because if we sort of shut off it's not going to work so there were certain like mates that i didn't know had sensitive sides to them which i was so proud that they were able to expose and to really show you how they felt at the time. Because as you say, it's we're getting better at it, but there's still probably a bit of a stigma going around. But I yeah. think we're getting a lot better towards, you know, being open and honest with each other, which was really important to uh, making sure that, you know, we all stayed as sort of mentally healthy as possible.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And um so I guess we'll now switch back into some some positive positive things. So we got some stories from
1: a couple of sources. Um, um can we just say starter first of all Dan, I know the story that you've given to him. It's a funny story, but we definitely can't go with it. So it has been acknowledged. Uh, yes, it did happen, but we're not going to talk about it. Um, another one from oh, Sig is you didn't have a great time with a chin up bar recently. Oh, that's, I'm so glad <laughs> this got brought up. So uh, it was just Thursday night. We were all drinking uh, a couple of cordials, and I'd had. Um, a fair few cordials at the time and we have uh, as part of our uh, gym set up we have like this like the chin-up bars that you can put on top of like architraves and doors so the one we've got it is just through our like sort of laundry bit it's like a segue between our kitchen and our laundry and it's about i reckon the roof's about or where it hangs about two meters so i reckon the apex of it when you're up there is close 180 190 centimeters off the ground and onto solid laminated tip it's basically concrete what we're falling onto and um I've never used one of these before, Um, so I don't know that the key thing to do when you do it is the first chin-up must be done slowly so you don't push the bracket off the architrave. And we'll sit down and uh, Gilly goes, I bet you can't do five uh, chin-ups. I said, Gilly, fuck you. I'm going to do five (laughs) chin-ups. I bound up there and I just launch myself up there. The next thing I know, I'm halfway through the air. I've smacked going hit the ground. I've landed luckily on my elbows and my back because I didn't end up like Gilly did a couple of days ago. And I sort of took a couple of seconds to realize what had happened. And I'm just like, oh. So the next day, I had like swollen basketball elbows and a cooked back. Um, so the hangover was tough the next day because I was physically in a lot of pain as well. So yeah, I've learned, I haven't touched the chin up bar since. So I probably won't touch it ever again. But um, I've learned how they work now, which is good to know.
0: Um, I'm just going to throw out the $2,000 draw. Oh, Anything yeah. That night?
1: Uh, yes, yes. This is gross. <laughs> awesome. So this was. The day, day after I bleached my hair blonde and we were at the $2,000 draw, Jonah came along um, and, as you know, $2,000 tickets, they generally, when they get to the top 10, they'll do a redraw of the t- – they'll auction off a ticket pretty much so you can buy back in. And um, so a few of us had cashed in on the um, free beers at this event and uh, one of the hosts on this podcast with um, curly long hair decided that um, – he might have a crack at buying back into this auction for this 10th, t- 10th ticket, I think it was. I think it gets you back into the top 10. So it gets
0: stitched up. It didn't,
1: how much did not say? chuck $350. These tickets are worth 50, 50 each, and you paid $350. And, 50 for one, and the ticket was drawn out very next. Next one, yep. Next oh, one. So I it's got better. up, felt
2: confident, yep, top 10, like 10% chance, and um, yeah.
1: straight away. Yeah, to your credit, though, a lot of people would have run away and not paid that. So, oh yeah, and look,
2: Metro didn't even know me, so I could have easily slipped out of there and not paid. But I stuck to it. And um, you're you're missing a a key aspect of the night, night, which was uh,
1: you going missing for a solid. I won't. Well, I had someone chewing my ear (laughs) off, and I can't really (laughs) say who they are because of what it may cause. But um. Yeah, someone hadn't seen me in a long time decided they wanted to have a conversation with me, um, which for me was... Just um, having to drag out a little bit? Yeah. Like, I've, I've got no real feelings towards this person, but yeah, I, you know, I was very interested in what they were saying. <laughs> like, you know, it's been, you know, anyway. Um, but I think you might... That night got weirder after, <laughs> got so frank, we went to yeah. starve after a bit. And then um, I have a friend who's very good friends with Jonah's girlfriend, Shay. And um, so she was you know, saying, oh, I come to this house because I was basically doing a favour for Jonah pretty yeah. much. Uh, I thought I was going to this house. I was like, sweet, you know, just go there for a bit, say hi, and then go to sleep because I was absolutely knack. I've been drinking all day. But, oh, no, this house has one bed. <laughs> one bed. No furniture. No furniture, no nothing. So I'm sitting like on a camp chair, like just in the kitchen. Like, yeah, I was what? just like, I think uh, I got one hour of sleep that night when four people were in the one bed. <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, I had to call up someone to come pick me up at the way. Was, oh, about yeah, seven o'clock was, the next morning. Yeah, and... it was early, early hours. That was, yeah. That, yeah. Was, yeah, that was a weird <laughs> night. That was a very weird night from all parties.
0: Someone else just written that you used to get on the source like year 10, 11, and your parents weren't, well, they wouldn't know, yeah. as everyone's parents wouldn't. But you used to like say you were staying somewhere and then plan it out strategically that you'd leave it like, leave the place that you were staying at like four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning and walk home. So you'd have a couple of hours to
1: sober up. Yeah. No was, matter
0: how far yeah, your so home was or what.
1: A couple of ones in sort of the range, region I lived out there. So one night we did it once at Brooksy's and that was all right because Brooksy's about like a couple hundred metres away from me. But there was one night near 10 or 11, we went to Mason Clark's and I had my cousin's Deb in Melbourne the next day. So I had to be home at a decent time before the time we could get down. And I sort of thought, geez, if I call mum and ask me to pick her up, she's going to walk to the front of the house and realise what's going on here. So I can't really do that. And I just went, I don't mind walking. I've had a fair cases of walking long distances for, especially under the influence, um, doing things. And uh, Mason's house was about six kilometres from my house. And, uh, yeah, so a couple of people would have, I think I got a couple of strange looks from um, some older people walking the walking tracks, as Jeff would say, that morning. Um so, yeah, a couple of early morning walks back to the house to get back in um, some decent shape. To, it was mainly the sobering up was a handy aspect. It was more just the fact that I couldn't really afford my parents to drive to the house and see, look at the front of the house and uh, notice that there was a couple of underage people getting up to a bit of no mischief. Extreme lengths I had to go, honestly. I, my brother got it so easy. I had an older sister and I don't know. I don't think she usually got up to too much. But my younger brother basically just got to – She parents would buy alcohol for him straight away. I, I had to go to such – Extreme lengths to try and, you know, get through what I was doing. Yeah, just paved the way for the, oh, the younger mate, generation. He got an absolute cakewalk, my younger brother. <laughs> oh. He's a very lucky boy um, for what I had to do to, you know, be able to have the fun that I got to have but Also, a younger fella.
2: Yeah. Right, well, I think we'll wrap it up now. We've had a decent crack. And um, thanks, mate, for coming on. It's been a pleasure. No worries. It's been an honour to come on. No, thank you. Yeah. And um, until next time, catch us later.